Well, guys, we're doing an episode of Sunday Plus. Plus. Mm. This is the international symbol. So uh, to our Stonegate crew, this is an effort to be able to answer some questions from Sunday morning, to do a little bit of follow-up from the sermons uh, from Sunday morning. And really, it's a chance for you to be able to submit questions that you have about the content that you're hearing on Sunday morning uh, for us to be able to, to bat around. And first of all, uh, we're two weeks into an Abraham set of sermons uh, through the life of this man. By the way, I miss Sunday. I'm preaching at my home church and we celebrated 50 years that of my parents' wow. church membership. Amazing. That's awesome. That's almost Did they bring them up, do the whole thing? They did. They had a little slideshow for them, a video. Uh, it was it was amazing. That's, That's so cool, yeah. man. I think there is something in that that um, I so appreciate. Um, I think it's a picture of really what it looks like to make your life count for Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's planting your life in a place. And then giving your life away to people in that place. Yeah. And that's what they've done for 50 years, that's awesome. which is pretty What amazing. a rare that's thing great. that is. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But we had a big day here. So uh, yeah. week two of the Genesis uh, set of sermons, we're back into that. Yeah. Uh, we also had an equipping night mm. uh, yeah. that sounded like it was just amazing yeah. as well. so great. Yeah. yeah. Kelly did a great job. Yeah. I mean, it was, content was awesome. People yeah. were talking about how great it was. Just getting them to think about their God-given purpose. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Uh, Well, let's jump in to Genesis chapter 12. Uh, You preached sort of the second half of that uh, text. And so anything when you're looking back or you're just thinking about the text in general that stands out to you that you really appreciate about it, you love about it, any... Well, I was surprised when I was studying. I did not expect it to be a text so uh, focused on grace. Yeah. I came to the end of studying it thinking I was going to preach a different kind of sermon. Yeah. And then... uh, and then the text demanded I go somewhere yeah. else with it. But it was actually great. Uh, yeah. to, to when, I, when I came across that moment where, you know, Abram in, in this part of the, the text, he's actually the, the bad guy of the story. Mm-hmm. You know, and it is interesting how we, um, all of our heroes yeah. in Scripture come in and out of being the bad guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and here he is. A few chapters or a few verses earlier, he was batting a thousand, yeah. but now he's the bad guy. And uh, I just think I was surprised by how the Bible just so often kicks against all of my instincts to let the bad guy have it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what happened. It's that whole, uh, um, he's he's kind of, his wife's gone, he's out of the land, and then... Verse 17, but the Lord struck Pharaoh. It was that yeah. moment when, when it wasn't Abram's name there yeah. that I was just, oh, we're actually yeah. the, we're actually going to be spending the morning talking about the grace of God. That yeah. when he commits himself to a person, uh, he does he just doesn't abandon him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's so foreign in our culture. It's so foreign. Even in Christian culture, hearts, we're just not. Yeah. Yeah. We just... Uh, so I had a reappreciation this week of grace. I even yeah. just felt convicted about how little I meditate on what is in some ways the central feature yeah. of Christianity yeah. that, that undeserving people get, get good gifts yeah. from a good God. And where yeah. would any of us be apart from that being true? Not in a good place. Yeah. Yeah. Getting some plagues on. <laughs> yeah. No yeah. kidding. Yeah. Uh, Justin, you had an inter- interesting insight just around uh, this story and the Exodus yeah. story. Yeah. Uh, so why don't you just share that uh, briefly? Yeah. So, you know, uh, when you're reading through the Bible, the Bible often uh, repeats its themes. It's kind of like um, Hamilton, right? If you've ever watched the musical Hamilton, okay. you hear... I'm a Christian, so... <laughs> you know, All right. Uh, I'm okay. I'm okay uh, <laughs> watching Disney+. Plus. Um, and so on, in Hamilton, you're listening to these themes and like every time there's like a uh, a dueling scene. You hear the same music yeah. Yeah. because it wants you to connect those themes. Yeah. 
that's how the Bible works. And so, and one of the ways it does it is by the Exodus theme. Yeah. And so you start hearing things like a severe famine in the land. They're sojourning yeah. in Egypt. Uh, Pharaoh takes an Israelite captive. God sends plagues on Pharaoh. And then uh, the Israelites are delivered miraculously yeah. and they walk yeah. out. The, these poor nomadic slave-like Israelites walk out with the plunder from the Egyptians. That kind and of sounds like Exodus. It, doesn't it? I mean, it's just, and, and I think yeah. that's the point is like, um, if, if Moses, we, we believe Moses is writing both Genesis 12 mm-hmm. and Exodus. And yeah. one of the things I think he wants his readers to see is like, if you're a part of God's people, every stage of God's people experience an yeah. Exodus moment. And, yeah. and we Christians do too. I mean, Abraham had it. Yeah. The Israelites had it. Ruth had yeah. it. Um, and now we as Christians are an Exodus generation as well because yeah. we see those same themes yeah. coming again and again. We are all in need of redemption. That's right. And the Exodus story really is like the prototype for yeah. redemption yeah. in the Old Testament. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. it's really cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that the Exodus story, I think probably the reason it's copy and pasted throughout the mm-hmm. Bible is because unequivocally in that narrative arc, the hero is always God. That's yeah. right. Absolutely. They, I mean, you, there's just no getting around it. God is is rescuing helpless people. Yeah. And uh, so it's no wonder that it's that's his favorite story to tell. Absolutely. You know? And the, the Exodus theme just merges all of the best themes that we love in Scripture. Re- redemption is like a marriage theme. It's also a purchase theme. Mm-hmm. It expresses helplessness. In order for redemption to happen, you have to have someone who's helpless and can't purchase themselves yeah. and someone who mm-hmm. can step in and pay the price. And so Exodus really does just encapsulate all of our favorite themes in Scripture. And so... Uh, when you when you read through Revelation or even Jesus's uh, description of his own work, like in Luke nine, um, he's on the mountain of transfiguration talking to Moses and Elijah about his exodus, yeah. his exodon. So yeah. it's like the the Bible wants you to see one thing: if if you've been saved, you are an exodus uh, beneficiary in yeah. a sense. Mm-hmm. Like you you have received this kind of exodus yep. from yep. God. Yep, I so. love that. Uh, okay, you ready to uh, take some questions? Come Let's on. do this. Here we go. Give us, give us uh, a zinger. Question number one. This is going to be around mm-hmm. the theme of fear, which comes out in this text some. Uh, if fear leads to bad decisions, how does it also lead to wisdom? And in particular, I think this question is referring to uh, that little text, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Mm-hmm. So, so how do we have fear leading to bad decisions like it did in Abraham's life and fear leading to wisdom? Uh, how, do, how do those two things come together? You have thoughts on that? Well, I think fear in a lot of ways is like faith in that it's more about the object uh, than the activity. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, in faith, it's like, well, I could have faith in, you know, this table or or I could have, you know, it doesn't matter what you have faith. uh, It doesn't matter that you have faith. It matters what you have it in. In the same way, where your fear is directed is really the issue Scripture is getting at. In some ways... um, uh, scripture commends fear, but it's mm-hmm. the it's the fear in what object. Yeah. And repeatedly, you're going to see when your fear is placed uh, on the person of the triune God, yeah. that actually has an orienting and, and helpful effect on a human's life. Yeah. It actually helps us navigate life yeah. better when his voice, his opinion, his value system is supreme, not this, not this other lesser thing that yeah. I might be experiencing yeah. fear toward. Yeah, yeah, you bet. Anything you'd want to add to that? Yeah, I just think we got to be so careful of uh, looping mm-hmm. our modern conception of fear uh, and reducing everything down in the same category, mm-hmm. right? So um, obviously the Bible is not telling me not to be afraid of a grizzly bear. 
Yeah. Right. It's that fear of a bear in the woods. Although you're not actually. <laughs> I've, I've seen pictures of you. I'm going to bears. I'm going to end point. up on a news headline at some point. <laughs> That's right. But uh, there's a common sense reverence for a thing. So like uh, being afraid of spiders, being afraid of heights, all those things are commonsensical. Scripture is not mm-hmm. really addressing that kind of fear. Yeah. It's addressing a fear of what you think has ultimate influence in your life. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think is big enough to move you? To either for better or for worse. And mm-hmm. so you you fear your boss. Well, your boss has control and authority to be able to move you to a different situation. Yeah. Uh, whereas the Bible's like, well, he, he, he does and he doesn't. He doesn't because God ultimately mm-hmm. is the one who moves us. And it's one of the reasons why uh, yeah. Scripture says... Um, the Lord is my the Lord is my rock. I shall not be moved. Mm-hmm. That is, that is a fear statement, recognizing that there is no object outside of God that can push me around yeah. like God can. God yeah. can move me; other things can't. And yeah. so I think that's just that classification, not to reduce all things down to what we yeah. think of fear, um, would be helpful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I th- when I'm giving the shorthand definition of fear to like my kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I typically say, think about fear like this. What has the loudest voice in your life? That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's the loudest thing? Yeah. What's the controlling thing? Yeah. And uh, if the loudest voice in your life is the Lord, then you actually are experiencing the fear of the Lord. That's right. Absolutely. And wisdom is coming. That's right. And when it's not, here come the set of bad decisions that are going to ultimately flow from that. Yep. Uh, Question number two. uh, Jimmy, in the sermon, I think you referenced uh, the psalmist speaking of fear driving us to sin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what psalm do you have in mind when you talk about that? So I was actually studying uh, um, Psalm 37 the week before, not knowing it was even going to yeah. come up in the text. Uh, but Psalm 37, verse 8 is where it says it. And it's actually talking about it in the context of um, a believer in Yahweh engaging with evildoers, how they should feel, how we should feel toward uh, the wicked. Um, how we should respond to them. And the full verse says this, cease, not, uh, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evildoing. And then it goes on to talk about uh, what happens to those who walk in evil. Evildoers are going to be cut off, but those who wait for yeah. the Lord, they'll inherit the land. So yeah. mm-hmm. that's the context. But I just, I found it fascinating uh, when I was studying this, just for my own soul health, uh, reading that and, and just going, man, it's, what a thought that like um, when I let anxiety yeah. and and stress and fretting control me, the text says the only thing that will come uh, out of that, the only behaviors that come out of a fretful heart is sin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It leads only to evil. Yeah. Thing. That's a big sentence. It is. Wow. Yeah. Uh, well, and you see this, I think, in the overarching um, just story of the Bible. Yeah. Uh, so the most prevalent command you're going to find in the scriptures is to fear not. Uh, and I think it, it's doing all the work there of that particular yeah. psalm because yeah. it knows what's behind that fear. If, if we are fearing the loudest voice in our life is anything but God, uh, there is a necessary connection to bad things coming. That's right. Yeah. Idolatry, all sorts of bad things are coming down that road. That's right. So, yeah. yeah. Great. Uh, next one. We're uh, doing it, guys. Here we go. Yeah, that was question through. two. Wow. Uh, here we, yeah. We're going to have to <laughs> speed this up just a bit. <laughs> Uh, does putting fear in opposition to faith lead us to not be honest with God about our actual fears? Man, I, I just feel like that is a there's there's a there's a fi- false dichotomy there. We're we're kind of creating uh, this idea of in order for me to be faithful, 
um, then I can't be honest about uh, what, what I'm afraid or, yeah. or, or yeah. any of that. Yeah. And I think faith is recognizing our own shortcoming, recognizing mm-hmm. uh, that there are things bigger than, than us. Yeah. When, when Hezekiah yeah. goes into the temple to pray to Yahweh, to ask for deliverance of from the Syrians, from the 185,000 Syrians, yeah. at that moment, that guy is afraid. Yeah. And other kings in that same situation, their fear drives them to go make peace treaties with the yeah. Egyptians or with other yeah. people. So it drives them elsewhere. I think what faith does, though, is faith drives you with your fear in hand to the temple courts of Yahweh yeah. Yeah. and to say, I, this, these, this is bigger than me. Yeah. So I think if you're being, um, if you're being fearful, the irony is, if you're acting out in your fear, the irony is, is you think you can handle it. Yeah. You're going to try to figure yeah, out yeah. a way through it. When you're acting in faith, you're confessing, God, this thing that I'm afraid of is too big for me to do. Yeah. Well, and part of the uh, logic underneath that question is, if the Bible calls something bad and I find the bad thing in my life, mm. that is going to keep me from honesty about that thing that I'm finding in my life from God. And uh, I actually think the opposite is the way that the Lord interacts with us and that we're to interact with the Lord. Uh, whenever we find anything in our life that is contrary to what the Lord would say should be in our life, yeah. uh, all of those are meant to be by God invitations to bring those to him for help. Mm-hmm. So uh, if we are interacting with the Lord like a child, uh, our heart, when we feel needy, desperate, mm-hmm. oh no, there are things in me that I don't want in me. Uh, when we're out operating like a child, God's our dad. Uh, we're going to naturally come to our dad in those areas that yeah. we need help in. Yeah. So I, I don't think calling uh, fear, the sort of opposite of faith, is meant to be a, now don't be honest with God yeah. about that fear. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually a springboard for us to bring that fear to him when we feel. And we were talking about it earlier, but I, we, we've got to say, because it is this hyperbolic example yeah. of it, you have Jesus in the garden. He's not cool as a cucumber. Yeah. You know, he's sweating drops of blood. Yeah. He's crying out to his father all night. Honest. Honest. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and so that tells that tells me there's yeah. a category of like experiencing the um, the troubledness of what's to come. Um, uh, there's a there's a way to experience that that isn't sin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because Jesus never sinned. Mm. Um, and. And yet it, it tells me that the appropriate thing is to not squash it down and yeah. say it isn't there yeah. uh, and to live sort of a fiction version of yourself before God. Mm-hmm. God sees your heart, but to yeah. bring it all for, before him, just like you were saying. Yeah. And I think if Jesus does it that way, mm-hmm. that's probably a good cue that we should be doing it that way yeah. too. Well, and Peter would add to that. It's, a, it's an aspect of humility, right? Yeah. It's like he, he says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Yep. Yeah. And how do you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God? Well, you cast your cares upon it, your anxieties, your fears, all those things. So I think if we're going to squelch our fears, what that is, is a prideful, prideful thing. And in reality, underlying that pride and fear go together. That's attached to pride. That's right. We present our fears to the Lord. We don't bury our fears. Absolutely. Well, and even to broaden that out beyond fear, it's like anytime we um, are finding in our life things that are contrary to God's revealed will, uh, Mm -hmm. will, and we're not uh, expressing those things to God, bringing the, like the real us meeting the real God yes. in that. That is all connected to pride yes. in our life, self-sufficiency in our life. Absolutely. So, yeah. uh, okay, going to keep us moving here. Um, I, I think this is a great question in this text. Uh, why did God afflict Pharaoh for Abram's sin? Mm. Yeah. I mean, that is like the tension or like the surprise of the whole episode. You, you mentioned that earlier. Yeah. 
Um, I didn't get into it because I feel like it's uh, threading a little bit of a needle to yeah. talk about it, but there is thing, there are things to say about it. Yeah. Um, and uh, one of the things I would say is uh, Pharaoh is not, in this text, functioning like J Jesus functions for us. He's not absorbing the wrath that yeah. was rightly belonging right. to Abraham. Yeah. Uh, that's not what was happening. Pharaoh's got his own problems. Yeah. He's a he. Sometimes we forget, like, and this is the the grief that people bring uh, up a lot when they're coming to the Old Testament. They're like, God wiped out the Canaanites. Like, what? Yeah. Wh what an awful thing. And on the one hand, image bearers dying is a sad thing. But there, there's another category that Christians have when they look at anybody who God's who God is bringing something difficult or painful to mm -hmm. uh, a judgment on. And the other category is they're sinners. Yeah. That Pharaoh was not a golden boy. Yeah. Um, he he was a pagan, idolatrous, polytheist, yeah. blasphemer, mm -hmm. and uh, he like Abraham deserved every plague yeah. that was going to come his way. The different, but here's the thing: the only difference between Pharaoh and Abram was a promise. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only difference. And I think that is one of the things the text is highlighting, just like in the Exodus story. Was there anything different between the Jews and the Egyptians when the angel of death came and wiped out the firstborn? There's nothing physically different about them. The only difference was, was the blood covering yeah. at the uh -huh. door. Yeah. And I think yeah. something similar is happening here. You have a few verses earlier, God making a promise to Abram. He's saying, you're yeah. mine. I'm yours. We are in relationship now. And when you get in relationship with the living God, that's an unbreakable bond. Yeah. Uh, and so you're just as much of a, a rat as the other guys, mm. but uh, you're in relationship uh, yeah. with, with the right person now. Yeah. And so it would be wrong for us to say Pharaoh didn't deserve the plagues. Yeah, yeah. Um, even though it doesn't spell out Pharaoh's sin, we know that yeah. he was a sinner. Mm -hmm. And the only thing he or yeah. any of us deserve is judgment yeah. apart from the grace of God. Yeah. And, and we don't want to miss the grace, too, on Pharaoh. I mean, one thing that the plagues do throughout all the Exodus stories, both Abraham and Exodus, is the outcome is Pharaoh and the Egyptians come to see that God is God. Yeah. I mean, that's why God mm -hmm. pours out the plagues on the Egyptians is so that Pharaoh will know that I am the Lord. That's right. Yeah. And so we, it isn't spelled out in this text, but somehow uh, the Lord afflicts, afflicts Pharaoh and Pharaoh immediately be, is able to connect. That's because he took Abram's wife. Yeah. yeah. He sees through the lie. Yeah. So we can we can spell out from the silence there that at some moment God's working in su such a way that Pharaoh himself is brought to fearing the Lord, which yeah. is a huge grace. I mean, yeah, if you're a, if you're a polytheist king and, and all of a sudden like, this this one God is rolling yeah. up to you going, hey, just yeah. to let you know, yeah. I'm about to decimate you. All of a sudden, that God starts taking priority. That's yep. right. Oh, the others. That's yep. right. Yeah, that's for right. sure. Uh, we've got time for one more. Uh, this is going to be a very pastoral question. And I think it this is going to be in a husband and wife context, but I think it applies to any context where um, on some level we're under authority and trying to figure out how do we live with authority. Uh, so uh, here's the question. Uh, when your husband asks you to commit a sin, and you as a wife want to follow his leadership, what do you do? What your husband is asking would cause you to sin, but so would following his leadership. Mm. And again, I think this has a lot of uh, carryover for all of our lives. Uh, maybe it's in marriage for you, but maybe it's in your work context. It could be in a lot of different areas. Yeah. When uh, whatever authority is over you is asking you to do something that is wrong. Mm. Uh, Abraham yeah. asking Sarah this, yeah. right? 
um, what do we do in that scenario? It's not an easy answer, I don't yeah. think. Um, and I, I try never to tell people to do things that I'm not going to have to pay the tax for, yeah. in a sense. So it's hard for me when I when I see a, uh, a woman in an abusive context and me just telling her, well, just, just leave him right now. Like, I, yeah. I, I think that's the right move, but it's also going to require her to become a single mom and take on a whole bunch of hardships. So I want to preface, preface all that, that it is a, it's a tough situation. At the same time, anytime that you see Scripture calling a woman to submit to her husband, it's never in the context of not being submissive to God. Um, there's never a moment in time, uh, even in, in Peter's uh, at telling a, a believing woman to submit to her unbelieving husband, what he's not telling her in that is to just do whatever he wants. Yeah. It's through her godliness, actually, and her patient submission to him yeah. that he's brought to the Lord. So. Um, again, just uh, submission doesn't mean doing whatever the husband wants to do. Yeah. Submission means putting yourself under the proper authority that God has put yeah. you under. Yeah. Well, and some of this goes back to the same fear of the Lord sort of question. Yeah. Uh, and, and we all are called to follow people's leadership in various areas of our life. Like as an American, yeah. it's like I'm called to follow the leadership that God That's has right. put over us, the government. Yeah. Uh, in a work environment, it's like I'm called to, yeah. to be under authority and follow, joyfully follow that leadership. Mm. So uh, the, the quick way of answering it for me is uh, we follow leadership up until the point right. where following that leadership would cause us to sin. That's right. And anytime we're to that moment, that's where our following stops. Yeah. Uh, that's where we're obligated by the Lord to say, I, I want to follow you here, but I can't follow you there because you're asking me to do something uh, that is contrary to what God would want me to do. And I fear him more. I love him most. I'm mo my heart's most loyal to him. And uh, we can do that through pleading and tears yeah. and all of that. But that's where the, the following of any earthly leadership should yeah. stop. So, and yeah. I just want to highlight the way you framed it because I thought it was great. If, if you notice, there was such a um, humility and even submissive tone in Rodney's recreation of what that conversation yeah. would look like. I want to follow you. Uh, I'm called to follow you. It's an honor to do that, but yeah. I can't follow you here. Mm -hmm. There's a way to bless a person and still say no. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I think there is a winsome way yeah. um, to yeah. resist yeah. sin uh, when authorities over. And anytime you're in those situations, if that's marriage, if that's your work environment, whatever those situations are, uh, I, one of the things I would just encourage you on is to make sure you're in good community with people who yeah. love you, can help sort that out. These things get really complicated oftentimes. And this is where good community, wise, mature followers of Jesus that you're walking with can be such a help to you. Yeah. So yeah. Sunday Plus. We did right. it. There it is. Wow. We did it. So thank you for giving us questions. And uh, we're going to kind of do this on a regular basis. Uh, and hopefully it's going to really serve you. Yeah. Blessings to you.